Have you noticed how much things have changed since you became a mum? Do you feel as though you're the only one struggling to adjust to this new norm? Can you no longer see clearly the things that felt so transparent before? Well friend, you are not alone, and we are here to invite you into our mummy village so that you always have somewhere to turn and a place where you belong. Together, we will try and bring to light the common struggles of the modern Orthodox mama and delve into scripture in the hope of navigating through all of our doubts on this new and exciting journey. So come as you are and open your heart and mind to embrace the transformation God has in store for you. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Mami. Um, today we're going to be talking about a topic which is probably still got a lot of um, misconceptions I suppose mm. and a lot of stigma attached to it and that's mm. infertility. Um, it's something that's really important to talk, to talk about because I think first of all people tend to feel like they have to struggle alone mm. through it um, and also I think it affects more people than you realise. So yeah. I think like for me it's very easy to think off the top of my head of a large number of women that I know who have personally struggled um, Mm -hmm. with infertility Um, and I think sometimes in that struggle it's really hard to see God and I think for anyone who's ever struggled with infertility I think that's probably maybe I speak from like from what I've seen Mm -hmm. it's probably been one of the the most difficult time for people to trust that God has a plan and has timing Mm. and to trust in his timing. Mm. Um, So, yeah, a very important topic to talk about. And that's a really good point because it's really hard to kind of read the Psalms about the joy of children and, you know, the fruit of the womb is his reward and then Mm. have to suffer through that and pray through that and constantly ask, but I'm I'm asking for something that's good. I'm asking for something that you've blessed. Mm. And it's really hard to kind of get out of that Mm. mind frame. So I think that's a really good kind of shift, I Mm. guess, for our topic. So it's a good focus. Mm. Mm. Um, And we're so lucky to have Julie with us today. Um, Julie is one of my oldest friends. (laughs) Um, We went to uni together and lived together for a while. Um, And we're here basically to learn and listen from um, her story and um, how her relationship with God changed through her journey to mm. being a mum. Mm. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks and for thank you. <laughs> uh, so I guess just um, from the introduction that we've given, uh, Julie, would you mind, I think this might be a good kind of opportunity for you to have the floor. Like, would you mind yeah. maybe running us through your story and then yeah, we can sure. kind of sift through that does that sound yeah yeah um so I can go like quite far back with where the story (laughs) all began um so for me I guess going right back to childhood Mm. um motherhood is something that I always had such a strong desire for and I know that's not something that all women share Mm. in common um so I just want to say right up front that this is my personal experience Mm. um and so I don't want any um women listening to the to this to necessarily feel like um they have to have had the same experience mm, or that yeah. um i'm saying that every woman who has struggled with infertility or is struggling with infertility should feel the way that i've felt yeah. or experience the same things that i've experienced um but this is sort of my personal experience so yeah so for me i've always had a really strong desire to be a mum um right from when i was tiny and 
I think um, growing up in a big family, um, you know, an immediate family, but a big extended family mm. as well, I kind of just always assumed mm. I'm going to have kids one day. Mm. It was just kind of, um, yeah, part of my plan. The other thing for anyone who knows me well, Marina will attest to this, is that I'm a planner. Um, and so, <laughs> just yeah, just a little bit. Very type A. I like to have <laughs> things organized and things planned out. And so that's just kind of the way I saw saw my life mm. unfolding, I guess. Um so fast forward a little bit um, and around the age of 18, I got diagnosed with um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, which is quite a common um, cause or a contributor to infertility for a mm. lot of women. Um, but not every woman who has polycystic mm. ovarian syndrome will struggle with infertility. So um, at that stage in my life, the only reason I was diagnosed with it was because of particular sort of symptoms. It wasn't because I was trying to, you know, fall pregnant <laughs> or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I guess when that happened, part of me did feel a little bit concerned or worried that, oh, could this be mm. a problem? That was the first time I think I'd ever stopped to think maybe having kids isn't a guarantee. Mm. Um but I guess because I was only 18, yeah. I was about to go off to university, you know, I wasn't planning on having children mm. in the near future because, you know, I hadn't met anyone, I wasn't married to <laughs> none of those things. So there's a lot of stuff that had to happen before I was going to, um, yeah, be trying for kids. But I, I sort of did think about it sort of briefly. Um, and I think I did cry. <laughs> I do remember <laughs> crying. But then I remember thinking, no, that's, you know, I don't need to be worrying about that mm. right now. Mm. God's in control of that and I'll deal with that if and when the time comes. So that was kind of that. Um, I then uh, finished uni and got married um, and was busy, um, you know, trying to finish off my internship and residency Mm. um, as a doctor and doing those things. And my husband and I had started talking about, you know, when we wanted to start trying for kids. Um, And then I guess the next blow if you want to call it that sort of came when I also got diagnosed with endometriosis Mm. um and at that stage once again that was also because I was having a set of symptoms not Mm. because we had started trying for kids at that stage but it was at that same time that we Mm. had said this is when we're going to start trying Mm. and right around that same time I also got diagnosed with endometriosis so at that point Mm. um I think my heart did sink a little bit um because it started to dawn on me that okay maybe I will have um, will have some problems um, once again like polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS endometriosis is quite common um, but it, not everyone with endometriosis has fertility mm. problems necessarily so it was all still sort of a could be an issue couldn't be an issue but I've got these two things mm. kind of inside of me part of me felt like maybe this will be an issue. But then I, this other part of me was going, well, is that me not trusting God and Mm, feeling like, you know, God wants to punish me or God doesn't want me to have good things. And so I kind of wrestled with this a little bit in my head. Um, And unfortunately, (laughs) um, my concerns did come to pass and that we couldn't fall pregnant. Um, So, yeah, and that was a really difficult time. Um, But a really rich time as well. Mm. Um, And I can honestly say that I'm really grateful to God for that time Mm -hmm. um, of struggling through fertility issues. Um, I think I want to be really wary in that um, if you fast forward a bit, my husband and I now have an eight-month-old baby Mm -hmm. boy. 
Um, so he was a huge answer to prayer. Um, and so I want to be wary in that I am telling this story from the other side now of being able Mm. to eventually have fallen pregnant. Um, and that was quite a journey to get there, but I'm very aware that there will be a lot of women listening to this who are still in the midst of infertility or who have even passed their fertile years and have never been able to have children. So, um, like I said, this is just my story and I want to be just really, um, yeah, thoughtful towards Mm. those women and gracious towards those women because, um, yeah, I'm very, I feel very blessed, um, that that was the outcome of our infertility journey. Um, but yeah, I, I do hope that I can also share a little bit about the point that God got me to in that mm. journey. And I think I can be quite honest in saying how I was feeling at that time and feeling like God did have to get me to the point yeah. of being, while I was still in that journey, being grateful for being in that journey. Mm. So not just now that I've had a baby, being able to look back and say, oh, I'm grateful now because yeah. I got the baby. Yeah. But in the time actually being able to go, this sucks, this is horrible. Mm. But God, um, I can see that you are actually using this. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think like it's hard when it's already something you're worried about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I think there are a lot of people who go into – trying to have a baby who probably don't even think that it might be difficult for Mm. them but then somewhere in the back of your mind when you feel like there might be this extra pressure Mm. and I agree like absolutely PCOS and endometriosis both very very common and I think everyone knows someone who's struggling with them and I I have to say whenever it's a diagnosis that I like or like I see someone who's had that diagnosis in a work setting Mm. there's always that worry Mm, at the back of their mind always it's never something they don't think about um and so to I guess the thing is like you know it's okay to be worried about it but how do you think like what do you what would you say to someone who's just gotten a diagnosis like that like how should they process it Mm. yeah so um it's it's hard (laughs) it's it's a hard one um because yeah I think I'm in the same situation that in a work context Mm -hmm. I have patients who I am diagnosing with these things that I have um and I am always very quick to reassure women Mm. that to Mm. give them the statistics I think that's all you can do in terms of in a work context to say these are the statistics you know um and the majority of women with these individual issues do not necessarily have fertility problems Mm. um but yeah I think from a Christian point of view in terms Mm. of your walk with God um in a sense it's almost like everything else in life Mm. like we can spend our entire lives worrying about every little thing Mm. not that fertility is a little thing but little thing to big thing you Mm. know we can lose sleep over it we can put all of our energy and our worry into those things but at the end of the day we know that it's God who's in control and Mm. that God does work all things Mm. for our good Mm. and that's really hard sometimes to um believe in your heart you know that in your head it's hard to believe that in your heart sometimes when you're going through the thick of those things um but I think yeah I think it's you don't want to stick your head in the sand and just assume that it's all going to be fine Mm. because oh I'm a Christian and so God's going to give me whatever I want because we know that's not what scripture teaches Mm. us um but at the same time also not allowing it to sort of overtake every aspect Mm. of your life um it's a tricky balance Mm. balance to find but um 
I think for every person, that's also going to be a bit individual in terms of what that looks like. So for some people, they may need to talk about it a lot. For some people, they may just need to tuck that away and just speak to God about it, Mm -hmm. you know, for some people. Yeah, so I think each person's probably going to approach that in a slightly different way. But I think like everything in the Christian walk, it's about finding that balance, Mm -hmm. I guess, between trust, but also wisdom and taking Mm -hmm. the necessary steps that you need to take Mm -hmm. yeah and you're right like he promised us that in this world we will have tribulation Mm -hmm. regardless you know where i am in my point in my life i will have a different tribulation to you to marina Mm -hmm. we all are struggling with something we've all got our own trials we've all got our own i guess crosses to bear Mm -hmm. but he has promised that he has overcome this world. Absolutely. Like he has, he is the focus. He is the one that we need to look to. So, yeah, it's it's really easy to kind of get a, a diagnosis or a problem handed to you mm-hmm. and then just focus entirely on that yep. and all the kind of ramifications from that and where am I going to go now and what will my life look like mm-hmm. because we know that, our life is not going to look peachy. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever I'm going through, it's not going to look peachy. But I just need to focus on him. And it's, it, I can't imagine how hard that would be in, you know, that kind of in the depth of that prayer, mm. you know, knowing that one, you've been diagnosed with an uncertainty mm-hmm. and then having to kind of live through that mm. and then just focusing on god it's mm. it's hard it's mm. it's definitely it hard. not easy yeah but it brings us back to like something you mentioned earlier julie which is like for a lot of people they take infertility or like difficulty conceiving as like it's almost like they feel like they've promised a kid they mm-hmm. promised a child at mm-hmm. the end of it but like you said before god doesn't necessarily promise that he's going to take away all of our mm-hmm stresses and our concerns he promises he will carry them with us and that he will support us through it but you're not necessarily promised absolutely a baby at the end of it um and so maybe do you think you could reflect for us a little bit on like that moment where you realized actually maybe I might not end up with a baby and what that looked like so I guess like I mentioned before it was kind of always at the back of my head from the point of 18 years old Mm -hmm. when I first got the diagnosis of the PCOS but just this tiny little thing because I knew the statistics and all Mm -hmm. of those things and um but it grew (laughs) it grew and grew Mm -hmm. um the older I got and the more we went along our journey um and because there was more evidence mounting Mm -hmm. from a scientific point of view um and from a statistical point of view that you know you may well not have kids Mm -hmm. um and or I shouldn't say not have kids may not naturally yeah. you know be able to yeah. have our own biological kids yeah um so yeah so uh I think the getting to that sort of point um was a gradual thing because mm. we got more information as we went and as each month ticks by you know the chances of you being able to conceive you know reduces as well so um that sort of all started to add up in my head but God's really gracious in that because that's a a process I was also able to process it as I went with him Mm. so I can't say that I suddenly woke up one day and was like okay God I accept that you know um we may not be able to have children and I'm okay with that Um, it was kind of I guess a bit more of a gradual Mm. thing and Mm. it's obviously 
tricky because um, you're not just a single person trying to have a baby. You're in a marriage. Yeah. So there's another person as well. And um, I can't speak to say, you know, what was going on exactly in David's head at the time, except for what he was sharing with me. But he also was on his own journey of processing that. And so it gets really adds a whole other layer of complexity when there's two of you processing it in your own different ways from different sides of the coin as well. Um, And yeah, and God sort of, um, he's so gracious in working with with each of us in in our own individual way, but then also us having to communicate that Mm. and communicate, you know, the point where God's gotten us to in terms of acceptance or in terms of what he's teaching us through that or... um, yeah, so I can't say I, it was a it was a gradual process. Mm. I guess is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And were there things that you found helped you? Like, what were things maybe you found comfort in, or like even like like within your walk with God? Like, what were things that you felt helped you through that mm. process? Truly, like I think, like with any other difficulty that you know I've ever undergone in life, coming back to His Word and His promises, mm. and so while like what you were just saying before Moret, like we're we're promised tribulation and we're not mm. promised a child we're not promised you know an easy life god may give you that mm. he may choose to do that in his purposes but that is definitely not something that we're promised but coming back to okay god doesn't promise me that i'm going to have a child um god doesn't promise me that i'm going to have this easy walk in the park of a life what does he promise and so coming back to truly knowing that God's word is true and God does not change. And so I can come back to his character and what his word says is true. Mm. And so that is things like knowing that God does work all things for Mm. his glory and Mm. for my good. Mm -hmm. And that means dying in a sense to the idea of what I think is good in my life and Mm. what my planning brain thinks Mm. is good in my life and Mm. all of my plans um, and submitting to the fact that, okay, God, I submit to your plans. There's nothing mm. else I can do. Um, and so, you know, the times where I was really just in the pits of despair and just so down in the dumps and feeling so depressed about, you know, I may never be able to conceive a child of my own, um, in those moments, just coming back to literally reading out loud some of the psalms or reading out loud some of just promises like I had a whole bunch of verses I've got this book of verses Mm -hmm. that I've written down over the years when I'm going through trials of just Mm -hmm. the promises of God and his character and what in his relationship with us and just reading those out loud or praying those out loud um so that I think was the thing that I found most grounding throughout the whole experience I think for me I'm an internalizer Mm -hmm. so I'm not someone that readily shares um mm. yeah with with other people i kind of have to i think you were no, saying totally. in a previous episode and i was like i totally i'm with you there um yeah so uh that for me is kind of feels like a safe place to mm. go is just that time with god that one-on-one time but i do think that it was important like i mentioned before mm. because i'm not just by myself going through this journey mm. I was with my husband david yeah. that i did have to learn and i don't know if i did it all that well <laughs> um but i did have to learn to actually communicate with david what was going on in my head mm. and um yeah and what god was teaching me and showing me because mm. david's an externalizer so mm. he needs that um and so yeah being able to speak about that with david and then also just finding a few 
trusted people mm. that I could talk to about it as mm. well um, was important too. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. How did um, you keep kind of obviously we've spoken about how you and David were going through kind of the same struggle but differently yeah. and trying to process it in your own way yeah, and also trying to see God's hand in your life in your own way. Mm-hmm. How did this whole kind of period in your life how did that reshape your marriage because obviously this is like being thrown into the fire and marriage itself is like yeah. <laughs> here's a furnace yeah um, and then <laughs> to have together. to go through kind of another trial yeah. like this and have to and, and like you said you had to learn to communicate and I, that's like my worst fear yes. <laughs> like having to force myself to open up yeah it's true I, I lose know, sleep I <laughs> yeah um, so how did this whole thing with your own walk with God, how did that, how did you feel it reshaped your relationship with David? Yeah, I think it um, definitely brought us to a place of much deeper vulnerability mm. um, for both of us, I would say, um, from David's side, because he, for the first Probably, I shouldn't say for the first time, but, you know, David's not someone who shows a lot of emotion in terms of um, negative emotion. So sadness, that type of thing, mm. which I think is quite common for mm. a lot of men, um, particularly in Australia. Yeah. Um, so I think for him opening up um, the vulnerability of saying, actually, I desperately want to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Like he said those words to me and that broke my heart. Like mm. um, that hearing him say those words I think was one of the times I felt lowest in the whole journey Mm -hmm. which that sounds terrible because I'm so glad he shared that Mm -hmm. with me um but that kind of um yeah I just to realize that he felt that so deeply as Mm -hmm. well and but in a sense it was kind of a wake-up call to me as well to Mm -hmm. be like okay it's not just don't be so (laughs) self-involved truly like you're not the only one going through this like David is as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah real vulnerability from David on that side of things and then I think vulnerability for me in actually verbalizing and sharing um the thoughts that I was going through um and I think for me a lot of the time with my internal processing um I don't like to share things with others because I don't want to be seen as weak Mm. or vulnerable or um like I'm struggling and I even bring that into marriage like Mm. um and marriage should be the place where we can be, you know, besides our relationship with God, mm. that's the place where we should be most vulnerable. Um, and so when David showed that with me, I mentioned that that was one of the times I felt lowest because that then brought out these um, false, which I can say they were false beliefs or um, false lies that I had in my head that I probably had never said out loud before that I'd been, but that I had been carrying. So things like, well, I'm the one who's mm. got mm. Um, things wrong with my body. I My body's not functioning as a woman's body should. And mm. if David was married to someone else, he would be have a child by now. Mm. Or, you know, um, yeah. And so I'm feeling like I was denying David of that desire for him to be able to have a child. Mm. I was the thing that was standing in the way of that. And I really feel like Satan used that to, yeah, um, you know, sure, yeah. to to 
um, yeah, just those lies that just twisted mm-hmm. in my head and just feeling like I'm a failure as, as a woman, my body doesn't function properly and I mm-hmm. can't even provide my husband with children. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. So, but actually saying those things out loud to David and I don't think I'd even admitted those things to myself mm-hmm. that that was my deep core belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was able to say those things out loud, obviously I knew in my head that that wasn't true. And I knew that that wasn't from God. That wasn't, Mm. you know, that's not how God saw me and that's not how I should be seeing myself. Um, But once I was able to say those things out loud, it kind of took the power away Mm. from them in a sense. Mm. And I was actually able to go, hold on, like, that's not from God. That's Mm. not what his word says. Mm. Like I am his precious child and Mm. I am made perfectly Mm -hmm. and he doesn't make mistakes because if i'm saying god God made a mistake with me then i'm saying that god makes mistakes and then he's not god Mm -hmm. right so and who am i to say that (laughs) um so yeah it just brought us to this real place of vulnerability i would say and then once we were able to open up and say those deep-seated things that both of us were feeling but i think maybe didn't want to burden the other one Mm -hmm. with or something i don't know what it was it was really freeing um and yeah, I think we still have those same tendencies, um, but it gets like it's become easier to mm. be able to be more vulnerable with each other after going through something mm. like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it would have been freeing in prayer too, to kind mm. of have that totally. out in the open, like Satan no longer has that hold, hold yep. because, you know, you internalize and you keep it in and I hear you because that that would just fester and it mm-hmm. brings on worse thoughts and yep. even more kind of lies. Mm-hmm. And we just let that sit. But there's such freedom in saying it out loud and such freedom before God. Now that you know, you know, I've said it out loud. Mm-hmm. I know this is a lie. This mm-hmm. is not the God that I worship. And then it, it frees you in prayer and it kind of opens totally. you up to God even more and yeah. allows him to feed you the truth rather than, you know, letting mm-hmm. that false mm. kind of um a negativity kind of sit there yeah. there's more room for his word totally mm. absolutely yeah but i think that's a really important thing to focus on because i think every couple who struggles with infertility and i say couple on purpose because it really is like mm-hmm. the two of you yeah. i think both parties often have those thoughts yeah um and for a lot of people like sometimes the cause is clear but for a lot of people the it's cause, not yeah that's so true and that yeah. that brings its own kind of challenges Absolutely. because everyone each party then feels that same thing and that, so it's definitely so important to be able to verbalize that and use it to strengthen your marriage because yeah. i think like it can so easily go the opposite way you know yeah. like you hold it in you hold it in you hold it in and then resentment builds almost yeah. because i don't know what you guys are like but often i like i expect michael to know what i'm thinking yeah. and what i'm feeling yeah even though mm-hmm. i have read your said mind it. yeah <laughs> 100%. Like, don't you get it? This is how I'm feeling. Like, why would you say that? Don't you know this is yeah. like, this is what's going through my mind. Yeah. Mm. Um, but if you don't talk about it, you can't work on it together and you can't use it to build each other up. Yeah. Um, but also just really reminding, it's the same as when we were talking um, with Kathy, that it's not your fault. It's yeah. not, it's not anyone's yeah. fault. No. It's just something that's happened and it's like an awful and difficult thing to struggle with but it's not anybody's fault. Yeah. Um, and I think as human beings, we often like to assign blame. Like totally. We like, and sure. Even if that means blaming ourselves. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Which I think women are often quick to do. Yeah. Yes. Generally. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, just understanding that no, it's not anybody's fault, and and like we need to, we need to share the burden by talking about it with yeah. at least with your partner, yeah, um, and being open and honest about what's going on, and then like you were saying, Marit, like releasing it in prayer, and it really mm. is about you know I think father dan might have been saying it about bringing every thought in subjection to him yes taking um, every thought captive absolutely yeah, yeah yep. exactly and then using using him to test those thoughts mm-hmm. and to say well yeah no like you're exactly like you're saying no this is not what you're saying about me your word is telling me the total opposite mm-hmm. of what i'm believing um yeah it's a tough mm. like time for anyone who's going going through that yeah mm. um yeah there's a author Jenny Allen, I think, who writes Get Out of Your Head, who's, which has become this best-selling book. Um, and she talks about, you know, how every time she has a thought, mm. she has the thought and then she stops and she thinks, is this from God, mm. from Satan, from myself, like from the lies that I've been fed? And so she's she got – she basically overcame mental illness mm-hmm. by – just that process Mm. like is this thought from god yes keep it and then kind of keep repeating it to Mm. myself is this thought from satan is it a lie just get rid of it never think it again and she's Mm. obviously she mentions how hard that is Mm. but the practice of remembering the good thoughts like Mm -hmm. you said julie like writing all his promises down making them kind of sit at the forefront of Mm -hmm. your mind and of kind of your thinking every single day that in itself has the capacity to get rid of all the lies. Mm. Totally. Not straight away, but yeah. it's, it's a process. Mm. And because even if you don't, there were times where I didn't feel because, you know, um, often we are very run by our emotions mm. and so mm-hmm. we can know things in our heads but not always feel those things. Just like, you know, marriage, loving your spouse, it's a choice a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah. You don't always feel in love with your spouse yeah. but you choose to love yeah. them. Um, and so often when I was reading out those scriptures or those promises, I didn't necessarily in that moment feel that that yeah. was mm. true, but I know that it was true mm. and I chose out of obedience to, to, to read those things anyways. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more that becomes real to you mm-hmm. and that you're able to, yeah, God's just so gentle with us. Like mm-hmm. he's, he just, yeah, gently washes us with those promises until they just become a part of us. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they're just like you said, at the forefront of our minds. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, another thing is kind of the pressure that exists to have kids. I think mm. in, in like Christian circles generally, Definitely. Like people kind of after a year or two of marriage are like start making comments or yeah. if you're Egyptian a sometimes year. yeah I was gonna say <laughs> I yeah I had a, a, a great aunt who four months into marriage said to me oh I, like anything I happening was are you pregnant <laughs> and I was like no I'm not and she's like I'll pray for you and at that point I was like. I'm not really sure that I want that prayer right now, <laughs> but yeah. but there's a lot of pressure, yeah. mm. um, and I mean I. It, didn't struggle with infertility, but it did take us time to fall pregnant with Abby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember feeling really stressed by that and really stressed by the things that people would say comments, to me or yeah. comments that people would mm-hmm. make. Um, and so I think something that I feel very passionately about now is, first of all, like maybe it's not the best thing to talk about. Like if you're not talking to somebody who mm-hmm. is a close friend, yeah. it's probably better just to like, yeah, you know. <laughs> Leave uh, it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I yeah. say. Yeah, leave it alone. Not leave comments. It alone. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. make a comment. <laughs> um, but 
kind of from the other side, how do you like, like being the person who's struggling with it? Because I know for me, I just got angry and that definitely was not productive. Mm. Um, And even though like in the back of my head, I knew it's not said like maliciously, it's not said to hurt me. That's not the intention, but it's still very hard not to feel frustrated Mm. by it. Um, how do you how do you deal with that? Was it something you experienced? <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot. Um, experienced a lot. Yes, because um, David and I were married. Oh gosh, my <laughs> my mouth is wet. I can't think. We were married for um, what six years before we had Asher. So mm. um, yes, yeah, so yes, many comments over that time. Um, I think generally I tried to take the tact of. Um, you know, children are a gift from God Mm -hmm. and that person who's making that comment obviously believes that and Mm -hmm. they're excited by the idea of children and that's a good thing. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and that's a beautiful desire that they have for us to Mm -hmm. have, you know, want to have children. Um, So I would try to sort of (laughs) look at it from that way and sometimes I did that better than others. But, but yeah, so generally I'd try to go, okay, they're just Mm well-meaning, you know, I'm just going to let it slide kind of thing. Um, But it does take its toll Mm. after a while when you're constantly getting comments and um, things. I think, like you said before, Rena, like um, I had no problem at all with a close friend Mm. or Mm. um, even, um, yeah, someone who – maybe was struggling with fertility stuff themselves or whatever mm. asking or mm. um yeah I would I would um was quite happy to explain the situation or to share what we'd been going through um with discretion of course um but I think where I struggled was yeah when it was someone who kind of I didn't know really well mm. or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they'd never yeah. shown an interest in any other area of my life and suddenly they're interested in asking me <laughs> About, babies? Um, yeah. about me having babies and it's mm. like well you know you've never shown interest about basic things I'm not mm. going to delve into my whole infertility yeah. journey <laughs> with you kind of thing yeah. um and so I think maybe if you're the person who asks that from a well-meaning point of view maybe think to yourself okay if if I would be uncomfortable or it would be uncomfortable for that person if this person is struggling to have children to suddenly go, oh, actually, blah, 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 blah. We can't have kids and this and that and all these things. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, then don't ask the question. (laughs) If that person opens up about all that stuff and that you go, oh, yeah, that's normal for a relationship to talk about those things and I'm going to be there for them and I'm going to go ahead and ask. (laughs) But if you're not in the place in your relationship where you are happy to have that discussion, mm, then yeah. probably don't don't yeah. ask because you just never know what the other person is going through. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I think as well, like it is important for the person on the other end to also try to be gracious and then mm. that person's being more yeah. meaning. But mm. some days if you've had the comment multiple times, like, you know, if you're at a church, yeah. <laughs> particular yes. church service and it's like the fifth person or something. <laughs> yep. Sometimes you'd go ages and no one would say anything and then there'd yeah. be days where it's just like everyone yeah. asks. Um, you can tend to get yeah. a little say bit it cranky, as a joke, but, but that's yeah. like most Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just what you just have to do with. Yeah. yeah. But mm. I, I like, I love the point that you made how you purposefully tried to see it mm. as a well wish. Like, yeah. this is something that, you know, they love me, mm. they want this for me. Mm. And it's, it's a nice, you know, it, it's a, a nice way to frame your thinking, I guess, when you yep. can't really escape, you know, the inevitable a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah you know don't ask (laughs) if you don't want to yeah you're right if if you're not willing to hear and be there with that person yeah yeah, don't ask then don't ask yeah Yeah. exactly And then, like, I think being on the other end and, like, if you – because I think, Marit, you were saying that's something we've kind of – that's been raised a lot, being on the other end. um, And you can see a friend struggling with Mm. infertility or you have a suspicion but you don't necessarily know. I'm going to put it out there and say I think if you do have a close relationship, it probably is something that they are dying to talk about for a lot of of women. Not everybody. I obviously can't make that generalization Um, because you think it can feel very, very lonely in that experience. Um, What were kind of some things that you found helpful from your friends and family at that Mm. time? I think, um, like I said before, if someone – um, was genuinely interested and genuinely asking from a loving place and I had that close relationship with them, I was quite happy to mm. discuss it. I know there are some women who probably mm. won't be. Mm. Um, I think if if you do ask and you sort of get a bit of a joke reply or something, then probably just leave it, like don't mm. push it. Um, but for me, I was quite happy to sort of um, – some people I'd go into more detail with than yeah. others, but um, give some sort of answer. Um I think a really helpful thing um, for me was uh, we actually had some really close friends who were going through infertility with us at the exact same Mm -hmm. time Um, and their journey had been even longer than ours. Um, And to be honest, I think that was the friend who I found the most comfort in because Mm yeah she I felt like um she was the one person who truly understood what I was going through um but that's not to say that my friends who weren't struggling with infertility or Mm. hadn't struggled with infertility weren't helpful as Mm. well Mm. um but yeah that was I think just a huge gift from God Mm. um in that season um for us um yeah but I think I did appreciate when my close friends did Mm. ask because it showed that they cared and I didn't always necessarily want to talk about it Mm. but a big thing as well is I wanted people to be praying for us and how can people pray for you if they don't know what to pray like they can of course they still can you know god you know what's going on in their life I pray for whatever that is but I think it's there's something really um special about being able to pray specifically Mm -hmm. and intentionally for people Mm -hmm. and so I wanted those people who I trusted and you know Mm. and um, valued to be praying for us and so Mm. I think as well that's why I thought it was important to share with them Mm. of course I wanted them to be praying um, that God would bless us with a child but I also wanted them to be praying that God would give us the grace no matter the outcome Mm. and that he would be changing us and transforming us to um, yeah just be growing closer to him every Mm. step of the way so yeah Mm. have you had like any experiences where you felt people have wanted to open up for it? Well, I don't, I I can't say I've seen kind of the other person mm. kind of longing for that discussion or anything mm. like that. Um, and to be honest, I'm kind of in the frame of, well, if it's not really a close friend that I'm willing, not willing, that I'm able yes. mm. to be there for yeah. consistently. consistently. Like there is, yeah. obviously there's value in that initial conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I feel like I'm not going to be able to offer them any more than my prayers, which I know of, you know, any prayer is valuable, but if I know I'm not going to be able to be there for them consistently, mm. 
then I would personally just, I, I don't ask, mm. but, you know, I wouldn't encourage them to open up because if they're not that close to me, I don't expect mm. them to feel that burden of me kind of, well, tell me about your struggles and then them having to feel that yeah, they need to I open think, up to me. Yeah. Mm. Whereas if it's someone close and I know that they're happy to talk to me about things like that. Yeah. You know, for sure, I'll raise the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of just taken it upon myself to be the defender of le- <laughs> old ladies coming and asking just about ask. pregnancies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which I feel I I am much more comfortable doing. Yeah. Mm. And then if if that person then feels that they can confide in me, you know, I'm never going to yeah. shut them mm. down. But I, I obviously want to know that you know, they're comfortable to totally. talk to me, yeah. you know, and it's not just, oh, I see you every now and then mm. yeah, mm. and then just ask the hard-hitting question. Because yeah, yeah. I know I've been in that situation where people I don't really know have just hit me with a question that's yeah. just so deep and hits a struggle that just, you know, really gets me and I, I just freeze. And if anyone... You know, you you know, I'm an internalizer. So I, I, if someone asks me that question, and I'm going through that struggle, I'm just gonna never talk to that person again yeah. because yeah. I never want to say hi. Yeah. I don't know what's coming. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there's someone. Yeah. Honestly, all I can think is there's there's someone that I every now and then encounter who constantly asks me about when the last time I saw my confession father was. I'm like, oh, like. <laughs> I don't really know you like and it's just you know it's just that sort of thing like I'm oh, not no. gonna be I never want to be that person yeah yeah to impose yeah that conversation when they when they don't want to have that with mm. me yeah whereas you know if it was you Marina mm. like it's a bit different, it's different. like yeah. you yeah, can yeah. get there in your time mm. and you can say actually I'm I not really ready to talk I don't want to talk about it exactly and if if yeah. I know yeah if that's the relationship we have definitely then yes yeah but otherwise, mm. I think that's a good approach. Mm. Uh, it's actually quite funny. The friend I referenced before, who was also struggling with infertility multiple times at church, we would be in a conversation with other women and then a woman would make a comment <laughs> to one of us and we would like save the other yeah. person, like change the subject or like make a joke be or whatever. And you're just like, oh, like, yeah. come on. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah. just leave it alone. Um, but, yeah. So. Yeah, if you do know a friend who's struggling with that, look out for them and yes. yeah, be be there to save them from those situations because yes. it can be awkward. It yeah. can. Yeah. Um, and yeah, after all that time, I still didn't have like – all that time I was like, I need to come up with like a one-liner or just yeah. something that I can say to just – shut it down without being rude without but I never could think of like it was always awkward (laughs) because it is awkward like you don't ask people about like I don't know how much money they're earning their bank account yeah yeah, exactly like is your bank account healthy but all of a sudden we think I also have someone like that (laughs) I don't want to know the people you know (laughs) you make a joke but there is someone like that in my life. Oh my goodness. It's really uncomfortable. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like Mm. all of a sudden, like because you have a uterus, it's everyone's public property. (laughs) Um, And like, it's not, I have to say, definitely oversharing, but it's not related to just like, I don't think it's just within the Christian community. I think it's society as a whole. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember when I found out I was pregnant with Abby and finally like, told people at work i remember someone coming up like one of my one of my bosses coming 
up to me and going, oh, was it an accident? And I was oh like, gosh, is that really an appropriate question to ask? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Followed very closely by, well, there goes your career. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's the kind <laughs> of, as happens. women yeah. in, you know, busy jobs mm, or in, yeah. you know, I don't know, like in the hospital, in business, in mm-hmm. law, wherever you mm. are, if you're in a kind of company setting, yeah, that's the culture that's the that you're dealt. Like, you know, yes. I know someone who was straight up asked in an interview for a job, when do you plan to have mm. kids? Because we'll oh, need to replace so you. Yeah. And it's just, you get that. And it comes with being a woman mm. in whatever you end up doing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's like, yes, there's, you know, the stigma and the judgment and the passing fleeting comments when you're in a church, in a close community mm. and people feel like they can say whatever they want. <laughs> but it's also it's on a larger overall. scale. Like yeah. you said, it's everywhere. And the way women are portrayed on like in magazines or in social media and what all of a sudden this is the expectation. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is who you are by our standards Mm. and yeah it's it's everywhere yeah yeah and I think that is something that makes it uniquely difficult is that Mm. there's just no like it's in your face all the time and in many different ways like I know um like you know watching your your friends get pregnant Mm -hmm. watching people fall pregnant when they weren't trying to fall pregnant Mm -hmm. um (laughs) like and that can be really frustrating when you're there like trying and trying and I think there's definitely an element of like well, God, like, but you know how much I want this. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And it's very hard. It's very hard to like let that go and yeah. say, okay, in your time, it will happen in your time. Yeah, that's very yeah. challenging. It was. It always. Um, I still don't understand. I've tried to put some sort of pattern on it, but I still haven't been able to. Mm. The people in my life that. Um, when I found out they were pregnant, that hit me hard. Mm. So it's really funny. There were some friends or family members where they would tell me they were pregnant. And every every time someone tells you they're pregnant and you're struggling, um, there is a little sense of it's it's not that you're not happy for that mm. person. I can genuinely say every person yeah. that yes. I loved in my life who fell pregnant over that period, I was genuinely happy for. Mm. But it's a little bit like a mirror reflecting back mm. to you yes. your infertility. Yes. That once again, that lie of my body's a failure. I can't, mm. all of those things. Um, but yeah, it was funny because there would be some people where I would have that sense, but I really didn't. I could go about my day and be fine. And then mm. there was other people who it would just, I'd cry myself to sleep. Like, and I couldn't quite put my finger on why. Maybe it was just the situation I was in. There was other life stressors. Maybe it was a bad day when I found out or whatever the situation I found out in. I can't put my finger on Mm. why it was particular people's pregnancy analysis that triggered me more than others. Um, But yeah, that's the case as well. So I think too, like I had to learn to be gracious with myself about that Mm -hmm. because I felt really guilty like I felt like what's wrong with you you're so selfish to like how could you like cry over like one of your best friends falling pregnant or one of your family members like when I genuinely was so happy for them Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. but it was just like but I felt like my world was falling apart like this is so messed up like so selfish but then I was like actually like my my tears and sorrow in this does not take away from yeah. the fact that that yeah. is a beautiful gift that God has given them. I'm so joyful for them. Mm. It is, like I said, just a mirror on the fact that mm. a desire of my heart mm. isn't being yeah. fulfilled. And 
God is gentle and gracious and was with me in that and is with me in that. Mm. Um, and he understands the pain um, and understands that he's made me with emotions, mm. you know, like you were talking about last week with Kathy, mm. that, you know, he, God's given us emotions. That's mm. how he's created us. And um, of course we can sometimes use those emotions in a, in a wrong way, yeah. but I think to just to feel those things and to be honest and to go, okay, actually that hurts. Like, and yeah. that, that's okay. It's not that I love that person less or I'm going to love their baby less yeah. or any of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that was, that was a challenge. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I guess just, you know, we're talking about like, we keep coming back to, how this process kind of transformed your relationship with God mm. and ultimately transformed you and how you kind of managed to, I mean, you had the strength to throw all these emotions and problems, you know, at God's feet. And, mm. you know, this is yours. I want you to struggle with me. Um, and I just keep, I, I'm just, it brings to mind Jacob's wrestling with God mm. and Jacob was running away for so long like mm -hmm. he ran away you know th he just he just kept running away from his problems and finally God you know cornered him and he they wrestled and Jacob didn't kind of end the fight early you know he still wrestled with God and this was his you know fight with God not really a fight but this was his encounter with God and mm. God pinned him down and his the they kind of had this beautiful, a bit brutal, but beautiful encounter. And in the end, almost God didn't let him go until he kind of dislocated his hip, left his mark. And in the end, Jacob came out a new person. Mm -hmm. So that struggle, that, that wrestle with God, that face-to-face -face encounter with God, however it came, ended in Jacob having to finally state who he is mm -hmm. and you know God asks him in that encounter like who are you and mm -hmm. he says you know Jacob whatever and he makes him Israel he says no this is now who I'm making you mm -hmm. like you are a new person you don't have to run away from everything that's happened everything in the past this is who you are because of this encounter with me mm -hmm. and he was always he always had that mark of that wrestle mm -hmm. you know he had a limp after and mm -hmm. that was how he remembered that moment that encounter with God where he became a new person mm -hmm. and I guess it's the only thing that's coming to mind like this struggle this is the wrestle this mm. is the encounter with God and it's it's almost like God allows it in some circumstances yep. mm. and we don't know why mm. yeah but in the end we come out new mm -hmm. you know and we come out a new person with a new name in you know God's complete love mm. I mean we're always in his love but we are new in him yeah because of that encounter mm. yeah like it's not like God forces this or gives this but it's in his allowance yeah that yeah. he allows for us to be new through it yeah does that make sense yeah, definitely. yeah yeah for sure I think that's so true and um I really feel like for me, I mean, there's so much that God has taught me through that and continues to teach me. Um, and like I said, we did end up being able to um, have a child. Um, but I would like to think that if that hadn't happened, that I would still be continuing down that path. And I, I still am now. Mm. But um, a huge thing for me was letting go of control mm -hmm. um, and letting go of 
having this perfect life planned out and being able to plan everything and control everything Mm. um and you know i'm a very determined person and so generally if i put my mind to something i work hard at it and it gets done like that's what the world teaches us you know Mm -hmm. a plus b equals c Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time that's true with you Mm -hmm. know day-to-day things but a lot of the time that's not true as well Mm -hmm. particularly when it comes to relational things or deep things or um we we have this kind of we like to think that we're in control of those but even the small things we're not Mm. at the end of the day all of it is only because god allows it every breath i breathe is only because god allows Mm. it so um i think it really i had been full i still do this this is still a struggle for me every day so i don't have this you know right at all and this i'm sure will be a struggle for me until the day i go home but um to really say god i i'm not in control (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i I hold things loosely Mm -hmm. like that's not to say that we don't take the steps that we need to take and you know david and i um had treat fertility treatment and we we took all of those steps and i had surgery and medication and all sorts of different things um so take those steps but at the same time hold on to these things loosely Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day god is the one who's ultimately in control Mm -hmm. and like you said marie it's not that god inflicts suffering yeah. upon us mm. we're we're in a broken world and we know that that's part of yeah. the fall and that's part of sin and god didn't design this world to be broken mm. he designed it to work perfectly mm. but because of sin it doesn't but he in his amazing power and grace and glory somehow amongst all that sin and brokenness and chaos still works all things together for his glory and for mm. our good yeah. which is just incredible and like i said earlier that good isn't always necessarily what i would think mm. is good yeah. naturally but god slowly is transforming me to see what is good mm. um and so yeah i really feel like being able to let go of that control and going actually like for the first time in my life i felt like i literally have no control mm-hmm. over the situation mm-hmm. i'd fooled myself all those years thinking i had control <laughs> of things which to some extent there was a lot of steps i could take to you know get things done but it, when it comes to giving and taking away life we truly have no control yeah. even as doctors we like to think yeah. we do but we don't like even the yeah. medications we use or the surgery we use all of those things are just utilizing the processes that god's already put in place yeah. and then yeah. you know so it's so out of our control and so getting to that point of going okay god i surrender that i yeah. surrender this control and and at the time when we actually ended up falling pregnant <laughs> it was like god stripped me literally of all control because my husband wanted to go overseas to the uk to do study in christian apologetics and i was like there's no way that because we were undergoing fertility treatment and I was like, there's no way that I'm going to have a baby overseas mm-hmm. away from all mm-hmm. of my supports, my family. We're not doing fertility treatment and going to the UK, not going to happen. It's one or the other. And he, he, we had a lot of fights about it. <laughs> and then eventually David just graciously let it go. He mm. just, he was praying about it, but he just let it go. He stopped bringing it up with me. Mm. And I went away and I was praying about it and God separately without David, you know, being in my ear, God Mm. got me to the point of going, you know what? If God chooses to bless us with a child, that is a miracle. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't, he is still good. Mm. And if God opens up this opportunity for David to study in the UK, that's incredible because, you know, it's difficult to get into this program he wants to get into and we need the funds and blah, 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 blah. So if that door opens, that's incredible. Mm. So you know what? Let's just do it all. (laughs) Let's just (laughs) take the steps of faith 
and whichever door God opens, we'll just walk through it. Mm. That That's the point that God, mm. God got me to. And he got me to the point of going, okay, and if we end up falling pregnant and having a baby in the UK, away from all my family, all of my friends, my church community, everything, then I will do that. But kind of at the back of my head, I was like, well, we're never going to fall pregnant. So it doesn't matter, right? And then, of course, that's then like a couple months before we leave, we fall pregnant, <laughs> which is the way God works. And I end up having a baby in the UK away from all of my family, all of my friends, all of my church community. Mm. So God followed through on that one. Um, but I just think like it's just such a reminder to me. And even though all of that stuff happened of God reminding me I needed to let go of mm-hmm. control and that he is in control, I still every day forget and go back to yeah. trying to be the planner and control it all. But it does, he's so gracious and he forgives me time and time again and reminds me time and time again. And the wonderful thing is every single time I look at my son now, I am reminded mm. of that. I am reminded of God's faithfulness. Mm. And I know from, from a lot of women, that's not necessarily going to be the outcome. Yeah. You may not end up with, with that child. But I, God really had to take me to the place where I said, God, that is okay and you are enough mm. because mm. you are all I need. And I think, you know, obviously until you're in that situation, we all like to think that's what we would say. And until you're in that situation, it's hard to know how you would react. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like every day I was willing to say to God, okay, God, you give, you take, it's in your hands. And, you know, even the things like my husband, our house, my job, whatever, my parents, the people I love in my life, none of those things, even though they're here now, are guaranteed they could be taken away tomorrow i could die tomorrow you know Mm. all of these things so once again just coming back to that concept of holding on to things loosely and you know even now that i have my son i i pray every day that the lord would protect him and that he would have a long life but i'm not guaranteed that either Mm -hmm. i'm not guaranteed that he's not going to suffer and Mm -hmm. so now having a child that opens you up to a whole other (laughs) world of potential suffering and heartache Mm. um but yeah just i think each day choosing to go god i trust you with this but Mm. you are enough you are Mm. my identity you are all all that i need and all of these things these extra things they are blessings and i'm so grateful to you for them but that's not what defines Mm. me and that's yeah those are just good things from you Mm. yeah and he's the constant he's the Mm -hmm. unchanging constant yeah so the one that regardless whatever is going on whatever is happening whatever storm you're in Mm -hmm. he is the same yeah and he's he doesn't change he Mm. doesn't leave totally so if you can get to that point where you can say god you are enough you are my love i want you and in the end I want to get to you, mm-hmm. then whatever storm comes, if you can just keep remembering that point that you were in where you said that, I think that mm. it doesn't make things easier, but it, I feel like it, it, you give yourself more grace in that period knowing that it's okay, he's the constant, mm-hmm. not everything else. Mm. Definitely. Mm. And if you can come to that point as well, even if you're having a day where you feel distant from God, you know that God is still right mm-hmm. there. You know that. And so it's it's your emotion that's changed yeah. towards him. But he's still there. He And just repeating that promise again and again and clinging to that, I think, is just such a grounding thing. And the other thing I think that's so important and ties in so beautifully to what you said before about the story of Jacob wrestling with God is that Jacob didn't do anything to deserve mm-hmm. to become mm-hmm. Israel. Yeah. For God to bring the, the Messiah, mm-hmm. Jesus, through that line. 
Abraham didn't do anything to be chosen yeah. by God. That was just God's grace mm-hmm. in the same way that we've done nothing, nothing. except yeah. accept his, you know, except that, yes, I want this relationship with you. Um, and so I think that's just a beautiful picture of going, actually, I don't need to strive for these things. I don't need to, you know, it's not because I've done something bad mm-hmm. in my life or, yeah. you know, I have some unrepentant sin that I'm not falling mm-hmm. pregnant or whatever. Like, yeah. of course, examine, examine your heart and lay all those things out before God. But God doesn't toy with us in that way. Mm-hmm. No. And, um, yeah, he graciously walks along beside us and every good thing that we have is just a blessing from mm. him. It's not that we deserve it or don't deserve it. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think that was an important thing for, for me to sort of be able to get to as well. Mm. Mm. But it's so true because we live very much in a society that's like reward-based, like mm-hmm. your actions have consequences and if you do good things, you will get good things in yep. return. Like if you work hard, you'll get the job promotion. If you save enough money, you'll get a house. Yeah. And and it's very much this false sense of control, like you said, and and that like you're, you determine the outcome. And if you make unwise decisions, then you'll have a bad outcome. And then you probably carry that along a little bit when you yeah, start trying for a baby. Definitely. Um, and I think the people that I've noticed take it the hardest are people who are young, fit and healthy, who feel like they've done every single mm-hmm. thing right. Yep. And they're still not falling pregnant. Yeah. I have to say I struggled with that a bit. Um, <laughs> during a large chunk of my infertility um journey I was working in a clinic um with a lot of patients who did not want to be pregnant were Mm -hmm. very young were falling pregnant um you know um basically doing from a medical point of view Mm -hmm. everything in inverted commas wrong in terms of you know being able to fall pregnant all these things and they just seem to be able to be falling pregnant at the drop of a hat (laughs) and um you know, but I, I think God used that. Like, I think he had me working in that place for a reason. Mm. And I sort of felt like, God, what is this? Like, you're rubbing it in my face. Yeah. That, like, literally there would be days where I would have five women coming in saying I'm pregnant. They didn't want to be pregnant. And they're just saying, oh, I'm pregnant again. Or they're like fifth baby or whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, seriously? Like, yeah. come on. I like, just want one. <laughs> and then I have to sit here and be gracious and listen yeah. to them and yeah. be empathetic and blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> but I think God really... <laughs> really use that for Mm. all of the above reasons that we were just talking to Mm. for me to go actually I need to let go of that like it's it's not about you know deserving Mm. it or not Mm. deserving it and it's not in control or out of control it's you know it's just that's in God's hands and and this is where he has me right Mm. now for whatever reason and I need to be able to sit in that and see what he has to teach me in this today Mm. not constantly longing for something Mm. that may or may not may or may not happen Yeah. yeah And and that like we know God is near those who are brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. Like that brokenheartedness is an offering. It's an offering to get to that point where you were stripped of your control. <laughs> you know, like um you get to that point and you're just like, Well, I I really don't have control mm-hmm. and everything now. I have to, I have to I'm forced to lay everything in the hands of Christ yep. because I really, all of my vices have failed me, mm-hmm. but you're the constant. And in that broken heart, like that broken heartedness, I think that's, there's such beauty to be found in Christ in that moment when you really, when you realize how broken we are and how mm-hmm. fragile we are and how, you know, imperfect we are mm. and how, like you said, exactly like we really don't deserve anything. Mm-mm. We 
don't have anything to give, don't have anything to offer. Mm. And there's such beauty in finding finding Christ in that moment. Mm. Mm. I definitely, like when I look back at my life, the times that God changed me the most or revealed himself to me the most were in the times that I felt the most alone, the most abandoned in my deepest struggles. Totally. Every time. And they're the times that I think made me who... I am Mm. and made me realize who he is it's never in the good times which is Mm. sad to say but it's true true, it wasn't in the good times god knows how we work yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i a a picture that i often come back to and i can't remember where i heard this it was years and years ago don't know where i heard it Mm. i've repeated it a million times (laughs) but it's so good is that um vegetation does not grow on the top of a mountain if you if you Mm. go to a really high mountain at the top of a mountain it's barren there's nothing there Mm. where it's most fertile is in the valley Mm. the valleys is where it's green and lush and things grow because that's where it rains and you know Mm. um and the environment is ripe for things to grow and Mm. so is the christian walk Mm. like it's in the valley where god grows us Mm. and yes the mountaintop experiences is a beautiful view and it's fun for a little (laughs) while but there's not fruit there's not that's not where Mm. things grow and so i'm not saying that you know woe is me as christians we should like always Mm. be trying to suffer and like Mm. you know not (laughs) that's not what i'm saying at all but the fact is that god uses that suffering to draw us near and um yeah, I mean, if you look at David's psalm, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. It's in the yes. valley where those things happen. So I think yeah. that is where we're closest to God. And mm. I'm so grateful to God that that's why I feel like I can genuinely say I'm so grateful to God for the valleys of my life because mm. that is truly where I've seen the most growth in my life and seen him the clearest. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's so important to come back mm. to those times. And it's easy when, when things are going well to forget, Yes, isn't it? But yeah. Um, he's gracious and mm. reminds us again mm. and again. Mm. So, uh, Julie, you mentioned like, you know, some women, you know, in the end don't end up, you know, having a kid and don't end up having that specific prayer answered. Did you and David at any point in time during your struggle look at other kind of means of becoming a family? Yeah, I think that's a really important question to think about. Um, so... Yes. Um, for me, I think in my family, and like I mentioned before, right from when I was tiny, I desired to be a mum. And in my family, um, extended family, we have a few uh, people who have been adopted mm. into the family for various reasons. And so that was something that I kind of grew up around, not necessarily super closely, but it was a concept to me that I was kind of comfortable with mm. and that was in my life. Um, for David, that wasn't so much in his life. And it, I think maybe as well, because like I mentioned before, I was diagnosed with a PCOS at 18, mm. probably at the back of my mind, because I'm such a planner, I had sort <laughs> of thought through the different options. So the concept of adoption for me was something that I had always kind of considered to some mm. extent. And I had already been thinking through, not to it, you know, really deeply, but it was there mm. um, before we realized that we were really struggling to fall pregnant. David, I think, had not ever considered it, like ever. Mm. And so I remember the first time I actually brought up the topic with David. He got really, really upset. I I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I think he'd be fine for me to share this. But he got really upset. And I don't think 
at all that that was a wrong reaction mm-hmm. because that was what he was genuinely um, feeling at the time. And the words he said is, I just feel like it's not fair that we even have to be thinking about yeah. that or considering mm-hmm. it. Like I just never even thought of having to, you know, think mm-hmm. about that. Um, and I got really offended and we had a big fight about it. <laughs> this is, you know, one of one of the ways that God sort of um, refined us throughout this whole process. <laughs> but we came back to the topic a number of times. Um, and, yeah, and David did eventually get to the point where he was willing to discuss that and consider that as, as an option. Um, I guess for us, we still had a bit of... Um, we were going down the fertility mm-hmm. treatment path. So, but that we had started to talk about the adoption option, but not kind of, you know, actually start applying for things or anything like mm-hmm. that, which I, I know there are lots of people who have gone through that process. So I can't speak specifically to that process, but um, I think for me, it was always something that I'd considered regardless of whether I could have had children, mm-hmm. conceived children naturally on my own anyways. Um, and so I think that was one reason I got upset when David had that negative reaction Mm. towards it. But I think as well, and this is the point where David got to as well and we were able to come to, is that I think the concept of adoption is really beautiful and it's Mm. at the heart of the Christian message. Mm -hmm. Like we are adopted children of God. Like it says that throughout scripture. And so that's God's heart towards us. Um, And so I think that's a beautiful thing Mm. um and i'm not here to say that you know everyone should adopt a child or whatever like Mm. obviously that's a very personal decision and something that people need to think through and pray through and there's lots of implications and ramifications not to mention that it's unfortunately very difficult difficult to do and it's a very long process and unfortunately as well for christians in this country it's becoming harder to foster and adopt Mm. i've actually in my work seen that and in church community seen people who have wanted to foster who have been knocked back because of their faith um so but that's a whole other topic for another day (laughs) um yeah but I just think that um for for me I think it's actually a really yeah it's it's the heart of the Christian message so um that was something that I very much was open to um but once again like I just mentioned it's not unfortunately it's not something that's super easy Mm. to do um and it can be quite a process um but yeah I would encourage people who if they've never even thought about that before to to look at scripture and look at what scripture says about God adopting us and, Mm. and pray about it because you know, there are so many children in this world who are in need of yeah. parents and a stable home. And yeah. I think if you have that, that's really amazing. Mm. Um, and to be honest, actually, that is something I struggled with a little bit as well, going, oh, like maybe we shouldn't be – like how far do we push yeah. this fertility treatment stuff? Like when there are so many children mm. that need homes and – not just need a home but the ability to raise them in a christian home Mm. like that would be amazing like god is this the right thing to do so i think i can't say there is a right or a wrong necessarily on that Mm. i think that comes down to being prayerful about it and what the holy spirit convicts you of and get the counsel of people wise people around you but um that was definitely something as well that i did wrestle Mm. wrestle with um and in my head i did kind of have a limit david and i decided on kind of a limit with fertility Mm -hmm. treatment Mm. that we felt comfortable with ethically and um for us um where yeah we would have sort of said no 
we're not going to do that and mm. let's pursue this other pathway. Um, and then for some people, they may also pursue the pathway of going, okay, maybe God doesn't want us to have kids at mm. all. Mm. Um, and what what does that open up? What opportunity mm. Does, mm. does that open up for me? Because this was another thing I wrestled with of, mm. wow, actually there's a lot I can do for God's kingdom that yeah. when you have children, you, you can't, can't do. Mm. I'm in the same way that there's a lot you can do for God's kingdom when you do have children. So just like Paul talks about being single and being married, you know, there's there's pros and cons to both basically in terms yeah. of what you can can do for God's kingdom. So yeah, I think those are really important things to pray through and, and think through as a couple. Um, and yeah, there's some helpful... Um, resources and things out there that you can read on the topic but everyone has their different opinion and I think at the end of the day it is go to scripture of course but unfortunately there's not a specific verse I can point you to that (laughs) talks about fertility treatment so um, I think it's one of those things that you have to use wisdom on and Mm, yeah yeah. what your conviction from the spirit and yeah yeah, and and the wisdom of people around you yeah yeah. and God will open doors where definitely you know he sees you fit yeah yes Um, and if you, like you said, if you just, if you're prayerful about it yep. and if you're running to him when you're making these decisions, he knows us best. Yeah. Like he knows what we're built to do, what we're created to do. Mm, he yeah. knows his will in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know that yet. But if we can remain prayerful, then he will open and slam doors. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, according to, you know, what he mm. wants out of my life mm. yeah very true um okay so i think it, i just want to touch on another thing um for for both parties i guess for the person going through the trial and for the people on the other end mm-hmm. um either seeing this unfold or trying to be there for each other one be careful how you sell miracles. Mm. Like I think that's a really important thing to mention because, you know, we can be so quick to say to someone that we know is struggling with infertility, oh, you know, you just need to pray more. You just need to hang tight to this particular thing that I know Mm -hmm. worked for this lady Mm. or you need to, you know, pray the midnight prayer every single night Mm. for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. We sell miracles as though they're guaranteed. We kind of, you know, this happened with this lady and she fell pregnant because, you know, she was doing all of these things and mm-hmm. she really believed that this would work. And so we sell it as a guarantee for anyone going through that struggle. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's something we need to be really, really careful of because one, that person can lose faith in God through these tangible and in air quotes guarantees mm-hmm. and we we kind of jeopardize in a way we're jeopardizing that relationship that they can have with God mm. and two we idolize the miracle or the prayer we yeah. idolize the request mm-hmm. We say this is it, this is the be all and end all. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, you know, like, um, let's work on our relationship with God together. Maybe mm. let's try and find him in scripture. Let's hang on to his promises mm-hmm. or, you know, let's talk about this together. Let's let's let out all the false lies out in the open. Let's be free from mm. all of these negative thoughts rather than 
making God the object, we make the request the mm-hmm. object. Yeah. And that, I think, ties back to the other person, the person going through the struggle, who's been fed these, again, in air quotes, guaranteed miracles, mm. and I've lost, I, I've now lost sight of what it is I'm after. Mm. Now what I'm requesting, you know, in front of God has become it. It's become the thing that consumes me. Mm-hmm. It's become the thing that I center everything in my life around Mm -hmm. and it has become my idol Mm. so i think on both ends we need to be be really careful about you know how we sell things to Mm. each other and to ourselves like how am i what is this request really like Mm. yeah definitely is it an idol in my life or am i still focusing on my maker on the creator on the one that holds me in the palm of his hand mm. am I focusing on him and my relationship mm. with him yeah definitely I think that's so true because I think you can end up idolizing so for me that was a huge thing of going I say God that you're my everything mm. that you are God because God means he's God that's mm. it there's no other idols mm. that's he's God so I say that I believe that but then on the other hand am I saying that if I don't have a child you know my whole life falls apart and mm-hmm. I have no meaning and no purpose. And I'm then turning this child or lack of having a child into God. Mm. And so I think that was huge for me to be able to actually admit that mm. that was my tendency. Mm. Um, and once again, God is gracious and forgiving and, and loving. And he knew what was going on inside mm. anyways. Mm. But that was a struggle for me to actually go, okay, God, I'm not going to idolize having a child above you. And if that means that that's not your will for my life to be a, to be a mum, then that's okay. Because you are God, not a child. Or mm. the other thing is, you know, actually ending up idolizing or putting all your time and effort into the thing that's going to get you the thing mm. that you idolize. So into the prayer or into the fasting or whatever it is, that thing then becoming your God yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, but that was a huge thing that I had to, to struggle and work through. And it's every day I would have to give that up to God. And I think we all have things in our lives though that we need to every day choose to lay down at God's yeah. feet and go, God, I'm not going to let this be an idol in my life. You are God. And only you can hold that position. And I, I choose to lay this down at your feet, mm-hmm. whether that's career or a spouse or a family yeah. or our health and well-being or comforts or the desire for a child, whatever it is. Or a child once you have a child, mm-hmm. if you do have a child. So mm-hmm. now that I have had a child, every day I have to pray. I love this child so much, but God, he's a gift from you. From you. Mm-hmm. He can't be my idol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not yes. my God. You are my God. And yeah. so... Um, yeah, I think that's such an important important thing to mm. to address. Yeah, mm. um, and and on that, and you know, learning not to guarantee miracles and learning to make God the priority. I think part of that um, cycle is kind of fed into by things that people say to us, mm. um, and I think sometimes you touched on that, Merit, when you were saying when you were saying um, that people say, "Oh, just." do this prayer, Mm. pray this way, have this faith. Um, Lots of things that people say to you, well, meaningly, but Mm. again, not understanding that at the end of the day, that that God's plan for you might not be what they, Mm. or what what you expect it to be. Yeah. Um, 
And we're not discounting miracles. We no, know. no, not at no, all. No. This is not at all yeah. what yeah. I intended to yeah, yeah. bring up no, when no, I no. did. Exactly. Miracles happen, yeah. um, but it might just not happen for you, not because God doesn't love you, but because his plan for you is different. different. Yeah, yep. is different. And, right. I, and actually on that point, like I feel like a prayer that I can't even remember kind of who brought it to mind. I guess it's ultimately Jesus. It's a prayer that Jesus prayed um, in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. when he's saying, Lord, like Father, I can't, like, yep. like please let this cup pass. Nevertheless, nevertheless, your, your will, will be, be done. done. Yep. Um, and I feel like that's something that I I try to pray constantly whenever it's something about anything that I care about a lot. And I literally just say to him, Lord, you know that I really want this, but if you don't want me to have a baby, if you don't want yeah. me to take this job, don't just not give it to me. Change my heart mm, yes. so that it's not something that I want yep. anymore. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's very easy to say that and sometimes it's very hard to say mm-hmm. that. Mm. And I know when we were trying to have Abby, um, again, like I said, like our journey was not not extensive or long or by by any me- means of the word, but it was still difficult, yeah. I guess, in the sense that, you know, you see people fall pregnant at the drop Straight of the hat. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what happened for us. Yeah. But that was something that I really had started to pray. And I still feel like that was such a difficult thing to say to him. Yeah. Like, you know, if it's not what you want from me, take it away from my heart. Because I was very much like you, Julie, and I knew I always wanted to be a mum. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember even like at the beginning of our relationship, joking to Michael about how I was going to have kids and stay at home. Ha, huh, look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> can barely spend one day at home (laughs) um yeah um so asking god to change your heart Mm. and i don't think that there's anything wrong with that i Mm. actually think it's just honestly and truly seeking after him before everything else um but i i guess what that brings me to is there are probably things that we shouldn't say to someone who's struggling with infertility. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that that looks a little bit different for everyone. Yeah. Um, what did that look like for you, Julie? Yeah. I think like you just said, it's important to say it is different for everyone. Um, so, but yeah, I think for me, um, I think what we had just touched on definitely about not you know a miracle isn't guaranteed mm-hmm. or it's not that you don't have enough faith or any of any of those things so mm. that's really I think important mm. um because I guarantee you that person is already struggling thinking those things themselves yeah. <laughs> anyways mm. um and so having it 10 other people say that is actually not helpful um and once again we need to come back to what God's word says mm. I guess that's what we know is true um yeah, so I think that's important. I think as well, um, definitely, like I mentioned before, having a friend who was going through the similar struggles to me was really helpful. What wasn't so helpful was um, when people who hadn't had infertility problems were talking like, oh, I understand what you're going through because this happened mm you know, with us falling pregnant. Like I, I, I can't think of a specific example mm. and I don't mean to discount or belittle what other people have been through, mm. but I think like rather than being like, I know exactly how you feel because of this, mm. 
just sit with that person mm. in that like because yeah. I think if if there was someone else going through something that I hadn't been through I would never say to them oh I know how you yes. feel because yeah. I like if someone else is struggling with something I'm not going to say I know how you feel because I went through infertility yeah, yeah. you know like I, yeah even though you may to some extent I think it's just just mm. say I'm so sorry you're going through that yeah. yeah um of course if you have been through a similar thing I think it can be really helpful to share that mm-hmm. um but yeah if you haven't don't try to feel mm. like you I think maybe sometimes people feel awkward or they don't know what to say or they want to be empathetic so they think that's what they should say mm. that I know how you feel because and then liken it to something in their yeah. life but I think it's probably best not to do <laughs> do yes. that whatever the struggle is yeah. unless you have gone through that particular struggle um yeah so that was something that I think a couple of times maybe happened that was just a little bit frustrating or yeah. more hurtful to some extent yeah, yeah. yeah um but once again I tried to be gracious and that person's well-meaning in doing it but yeah, yeah. you might just have hard, save yeah. a bit of heartache if you yeah. avoided avoided doing yeah. that yeah um I think that's I'm trying to think if there was any other sort of other specific things I I mean I um one thing in terms of people announcing when they were they were pregnant um and once again this is going to be different for everyone this was just my experience but I actually had a friend who um knew what we were going through and she texted me to tell me um that they were expecting a baby and she told me you know that afterwards that she had done that purposely um Mm -hmm. in order to allow me to be in my own space Mm -hmm. and read that text in my own time Mm -hmm. and and react the way that I wanted Mm -hmm. to react without feeling like I had to show her that I was so happy whatever and I really appreciated that I thought that was such Mm -hmm. a thoughtful thing to do Mm -hmm. um and yeah because it can be hard like I said before it's funny sometimes it would hit harder than others but it can be really hard if you're say at the end of a church service and there's lots of people around and someone tells you and then you're like oh and it really hits you hard and you want to show that person you're happy for them but you're fighting Mm -hmm. back tears and um so that that was another thing that I think maybe just to be thoughtful of um but Mm. that was me maybe some people would be fine with that but I actually really Mm. appreciated yeah Mm. the concept of a text because then I could cry or I could whatever without process yeah just process without feeling bad because I would never have wanted to make that other person feel like they shouldn't be joyful and happy in that occasion and I wouldn't want my tears to take away from that so yeah I think that was just another sort of practical Mm. thing that I Mm. found but yeah that was Mm. just my experience so that's very Mm. insightful actually (laughs) that's not even something I ever thought of yeah which which you wouldn't and that's the other thing like I I think it's so we can often be like oh now I don't want to say anything because I'm going to get it wrong Mm. um and we need to be gracious with each other um and I know Mm. there's times that I definitely wasn't gracious with people but I think it's just I may as well say it because then you know maybe it'll help people think about think about that um yeah but mm. so yeah I mean when we did eventually fall pregnant with Asher um I was very that was something I was very aware of when yes. I was telling people um the way that I told people and um yeah I think if it's someone who you're very close with and and you're happy to cry in front of that person and, and things and I didn't mind them telling me in yeah. person but yeah once again I guess it's just kind of a, a wisdom thing mm. knowing yeah. that person and knowing how they react, react. Yeah. yeah yeah and imagine what the world would look like if we we're all in kind of 
a place where you know you share face to face and the other person feels comfortable and loved enough to break down and be okay with yeah and you can both kind of lovingly understand where each of yeah Mm. you know the other person's coming from. yes Mm. totally and that would be ideal that's the dream yeah yeah Yeah. and there were people that it was like that with Mm -hmm. but yeah not everyone yeah yeah Yeah. and that's fair enough Mm. yeah i imagine though there are some things broadly that shouldn't be said like oh it's okay it will happen for you yeah because you thinking you don't know that yeah you don't don't know know that that. that's that's a really common one I think and Mm. I think people once again say it trying to be well-meaning or they feel awkward Mm. and they don't know what else to say Mm. so they say that um that actually got said a lot I Mm. (laughs) I would say and I felt like shouting at them you can't say that you don't know that how Mm. dare you say that um you're not god (laughs) yes um um, yeah, so I think that's a big no-no. Just don't mm. say that because you mm. don't know that. You don't, you don't know. know any of these those yeah. things. So, um, yeah, saying things like it'll happen or, um, yeah, it'll just take time or you need to worry less, you're stressing too much, mm. that's why you're not falling mm. pregnant mm. or, yeah, people have all sorts of opinions on things. You know, you're exercising mm. too much, you're not exercising mm-hmm. enough, you're working too much, you're working too little, mm. you're too stressed, you're too blasé about it. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all sorts of – so, right. yeah, I think just – that stuff's not helpful and I guarantee that that person has thought about every single possibility and you know what they could or couldn't be doing Mm. so I don't think they need everyone putting their two cents in (laughs) about that exactly (laughs) Mm. um and obviously questions like why Mm -hmm. aren't you pregnant Mm -hmm. why aren't you having kids like your friends why what are you waiting for yeah like don't be selfish yeah you know you just you want to travel or you want to yeah please 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 don't say that yeah. like mm. you we don't know the struggles on the other side of that curtain we don't mm. know what a couple's going through we don't mm. know what god is working in their life yeah. we don't know any of that mm-hmm. so we have no right to kind of impose our beliefs or mm-hmm. what we think is right again but, yeah uh, you know goodness and rightness is not mm-hmm. it's all subjective for us we have no place to mm-hmm. kind of say that kind of stuff yeah, to anyone, mm-hmm. even yeah. if it's your close friend who you feel you know the ins and outs of everything in her life. Sometimes you might not know. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just it's yeah, not our it's place. True. And I think also the other thing is realising that people might not want the same things in life exactly. that you want. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there are probably women out there who might, may feel like they might not want um, children for example yeah. and just being respectful of that as well because I think people feel very judged and feel very guilty mm-hmm. about that kind of thing and I am I know that might be a very small minority but just being mm-hmm. cautious um, of that I think another thing as well is even within the community of women who struggle with fertility mm-hmm. um, being gracious with one another's um, convictions on mm-hmm. things so there was times where um i might be talking to someone who was struggling with infertility or had struggled with infertility and like i mentioned before david and i prayed about and came to a conclusion of what treatments and things we were mm-hmm. and weren't comfortable with and felt convicted of um but i there were times where i felt judged by other people in either that we were willing to pursue fertility treatment at all or that we weren't willing to pursue certain things Mm. and that by us saying we weren't willing to pursue that treatment that I was judging them for pursuing Mm. that treatment or considering pursuing that treatment even though I was always very this is just what 
you Let's know the conviction that we've come to mm. and because I think there are things that scripture is black and white on mm. and when it comes to reproductive health and things but mm. there's things that are not black and white mm-hmm. and and so we need to use yeah our our mm. our conscience on those things and conviction on those things but I think that's another thing of not um imposing what God's convicted you of in yeah. respect to that particularly onto other people yeah. um yeah. and vice versa I think that's important too mm. yeah yeah absolutely and I think the the last thing that I'll mention is sometimes people look at people who don't have children and say oh no you're lucky your life changes so much and oh, they make it sound like such yes. an awful yes. burdensome thing yeah and I think that's just yep. yes <laughs> That's, that's a big one. Mm. You're, you're thinking of all the things right now that I'm like, I've forgotten all this stuff. This stuff that it's people good. say. God's giving you yeah, grace yeah, to forget it. That, that is a big one. Yeah. Mm. So, and this, I want to say this as well, because I never wanted my friends who knew I was struggling with infertility mm. to feel like they couldn't be honest mm. about having a bad day at home mm. or feeling like pulling their hair out because of the kids or whatever. Yeah. I never wanted them to feel like they couldn't say those things to me because that is real for them and what they're going yes. through. And I never resented them for those things. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you then spin it and turn it into, oh, you're so lucky that yeah. you don't have to deal with this. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, really ungracious yeah. and unloving, I yeah. think, um, because that's just rubbing more salt in the yeah. wound because I felt like saying I would do anything yeah. to be pulling my hair out, yeah. running around, you know, a naughty kid or being woken up in the middle of the night to a crying baby. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I may never have that experience. So, yeah. um, and once again, you know, those first eight months with Asher, I've had to, I've had to revive moments of going, I'm so tired. I don't want to, oh God, I'm so ungracious. Yes. Like you've given me this blessing. I longed for this. How dare I now turn around and be ungrateful, yeah. you know? So yeah. not to say that those things aren't hard when you're tired mm. and whatever, but um, to remember that those things actually are a blessing because yes. there's a lot of people who <laughs> can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, desperately yearn for that and yeah. Don't, yeah. W- will not ever get to experience yeah. that or wait a very long time to experience that. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think sometimes <laughs> that could be said not so much as a, like that's how they really feel, but almost like, almost like I don't know what else to say. say. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. It's yeah. almost like Filling in the our gaps. instinct, yeah, mm-hmm. our instinct is I have to say something. <laughs> yeah. A lot and of the time, a lot it's of the time, it's nothing. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. and a lot of the time, it comes out not at all how you intended, mm-hmm. and not at all mm-hmm. what you wanted to land, and that's the kind of we really have to think about, you know, what what we say. Mm. Is, it, is it Proverbs in Proverbs that says once it's said, you can't really take back the word? I butchered. <laughs> <laughs> Sub- I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, it's Solomon. It's so much nicer. <laughs> Solomon was so much more articulate than I am. <laughs> but yeah, there's. A, I'm pretty sure it's in Proverbs yeah. where um, basically like you can't take back that word. Mm. I'll find it and I'll post it mm. properly so that everyone can <laughs> see it. <laughs> believe me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that we can't take that back. Like really, we need to really think about what we're saying. Mm. We, we can't. Once it's said, mm-hmm. it's said mm. and it's left its mark. Mm. And, like, imagine how many times you would have festered over that word. Yeah. Like, lucky, like, if only you knew. Yeah. Mm. And it was just said as, oh, I need to fill this gap with something. Yeah. And it's just, that's what's come mm. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, like, there is um, 
some element of truth. We did touch on this very briefly before about, um, you know, not having kids does allow you to do certain things in life that mm. having mm. kids does not allow you to do. Um, and that is something that God did teach me and show me in that time but that was something for god to teach me mm. and show me not for yeah. other people <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing i would say is if you do genuinely feel like you have a friend who is struggling with fertility and you can see that seed of bitterness maybe starting mm. to grow which is so easy to happen and i can't say that i didn't have that of course mm-hmm. i did um you know rather than you being the one to point that out and play the holy spirit in their mm. life just pray for them just pray mm. that you know, God, I just pray that if, if they are feeling bitter in that area in their life or, you know, that's that's allowing to be taken hold in their life, that you would just release them from that yeah. mm-hmm. and they would actually see the good things that you have for them in this season mm-hmm. and in this period. And mm-hmm. I think that's just one of the overarching messages that um, I have to keep coming back to is that in every single season of our lives, there's going to be good and bad but I don't want to be longing for the next thing. Yes. I want to be seeing what God has to teach me right here, right now today. Mm. Cause then I miss out on, on yeah. the richness of what God has for me today. Yeah. If we're constantly longing for the next thing. Mm. And it's tricky cause we have to do all of that with an eternal perspective in mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's just, it's so easy to, to be longing for something that's not yet here or whatever. Um, and that can be the difficult thing about infertility is it's an unknown. You don't know if there'll be mm-hmm. an end to it. You yeah. don't. It's an uncertain. But rather than, yeah, than, than allowing yourself to sort of really get um, bogged down and burdened by that, you end up missing out on, on yeah. what God has to mm. teach you today. So just, yeah, mm. being open to that every day. Lord, show me what it is that you have to teach me. Show me what it is the beauty and the joy and Mm. whatever the pain all of it but show me in this season of my life Mm. where you want me and what you would have Mm. me do yeah Yeah. and I guess just on the the prayer I think that's a really good practice for all of us you know Mm. if I really have an itch to say something instead just offer it up as a prayer for Mm. that person Mm -hmm. you know like instead of accidentally saying the wrong thing (laughs) yeah just you know there's such you just hold hold yeah. the tongue for a little bit and just offer that prayer up for that person you know just god help her with whatever it is she's thinking mm. whatever it is she's going through mm. what i can't see you know at the forefront right mm. now help her mm-hmm. and just offer that moment where you hold your tongue just offer it up as a mm. prayer and i think that's a really a good practice for all of us yeah definitely you know to go in because in that prayer god might open the door for that discussion totally. maybe yeah. it opens her yep. up or maybe what comes next is you know a, the the right question yeah. that allows for the conversation yeah. so i think regardless in, in what situation we're in we just have to it should it should go for everything right in every yeah. conversation we're in you know god can open a door but I think if we offer that prayer up, we don't know what, you know, might come next. Mm-hmm. And a prayer is definitely better than a word that you regret. Later. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there are like a lot of resources out there. Um, lots of books, lots of devotionals, mm-hmm. lots of social media pages, you know, that of people glorifying God through the struggle of infertility. So I think... Honestly, if you just do a search in Kurong on the website on yeah. Kurong, you will come up. So many bestsellers are going to come mm. up and things that 
have reviews so it would be worthwhile to see what speaks to you Mm because obviously there are so many things out there and so many different um perspectives out there so just see what speaks to you and and your spouse and that might be a good starting point and like we mentioned in um you know the last episode we are we can be the best resource for each other yeah definitely um we can be that avenue that allows that person to turn that bitterness into a sweet aroma in front of god like we we can be that that resource for the person struggling so i think we just we too need to be really prayerful Mm. whether we're struggling through it or not i think we all need to be prayerful so that god can use us you Mm -hmm. know as vessels um you know and and do the work that he wants us to do definitely and i think as well for women who are struggling with fertility to realize that god can use you and use your story as well and Mm. so you may not be at that point but just pray about whether god does want you to get to the point of being willing to share Mm. your story Mm. and that doesn't need to necessarily be on some big public level Mm. um I truly can say I was amazed and am still amazed at the number of times where God has opened a door or I've just made a passing comment, not thinking much of it, that's maybe slightly referenced that we struggled or whatever. Mm. And then the person across from me has broken down and said, oh my gosh, I'm Mm. struggling with this. Mm. And they felt totally alone. They've never spoken to anyone about Mm. it. And I'm like, you don't have to do this on your own. Like, And they didn't even realize how common it is. So I think just... Um, yeah, you may not be at the place where you're able to do that or comfortable to do that yet, but just be prayerful about it and realize that God can also use our pain and our struggles to encourage Mm. other people as well. And in that encouraging that other person, it in turn encourages you, which is what the beautiful part of being part of the body of Christ is. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, that's just important as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I really do think there are a lot, a lot of women who struggle or couples who struggle on their own. Mm -hmm. I think that, we definitely don't speak about it enough yeah. and you're right I think I'm often my eyes are open to people who mm. like you wouldn't have even have thought that that was something that mm, they yeah. were struggling with yeah um, I mean that's probably my fault because I may, may have made a judgment or, or whatever mm. but um, we just need to allow each other the space to be able to say yep I'm struggling and I need you to pray for me or I just need you to sit with me in my pain and in my sorrow and to support me through that um and not to be so afraid of saying the wrong thing that we then don't say anything at all yeah or like Mm. don't offer support at all yeah um because I think sometimes I mean everyone's different but for a lot of people or for some people they do just want someone there with them Mm -hmm. um who's not their partner or their spouse because obviously yeah that very true that's very challenging yeah already like they have support from that person but sometimes you just want someone yeah. external. external to the situation yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and if you again if you really don't feel like you're in a position to support i think the best thing is just pray and yeah. when and if the time comes where god feels you know, you're fit for the support person now, it'll come mm-hmm. yeah. if you're just opening yourself up to, Definitely. Yeah. you know, that possibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So thank you so much, yeah. Julie. Thank this was you. Thanks for having awesome. Me. Thank you so much um, for sharing that with us. And I, I guess I hope, I hope so many other women are listening and can feel kind of free in that, you know, in knowing that 
you know, God loves you and God's working a greater good in you mm-hmm. and that you're not alone in your struggle as mm-hmm. we've reared it. Reared reiterated (laughs) every every um episode you are not alone in your struggle like you know there are other people out there and i think if you just want somebody to vent to please Mm. open yourself up to somebody there Mm. is somebody there and if there isn't you've got us so you're not alone in your struggle i Mm. hope that kind of comes clear Mm -hmm. comes comes out crystal in what we're trying to say um and the message we're kind of trying to deliver yeah um, and you can find us on Instagram, mm-hmm. so the underscore mami, M-A-M-I underscore village. Um, so you can message us directly there, uh, get in touch with us, ask us questions, tell us what you want to hear. Um, if you have any questions for Julie, we can mm-hmm. kind of yep, take it on. on. Yeah, yeah we can sure. pass it on to her um, and try and, you know, get you answers um <laughs> and of course facebook facebook is just m-a-m-i that's the page um and like we mentioned last episode if you have a piece you want to write on our blog the website's not up yet so don't ask for the <laughs> url um but if you have a story that you want to share a reflection uh, or a nice contemplation or something that moved you or touched you or feel like other mums other women might benefit mm. from please get in touch we'd love to have you know your article up there um on our blog Mm -hmm. and it can be anonymous so please no pressure yes no pressure it can be anonymous um so yeah get in touch either way get in touch say hi it's always nice to hear from you guys um and thank you again julie for joining us this was awesome thank you everyone and we hope that you have a wonderful day wherever you are and We'll talk soon. We'll catch you next time.